Okay, let's start our discussion of this year's Parshas Vayigash, Tavshinai and Dalid, on this Zos Hanukkah, on the last night of Hanukkah. And uh, we can't forget that we're going to finish up Hanukkah, we're going to be right before Shabbos. So we still have to talk about Parshas Vayigash, one of the most exciting parshios in all of the Torah. We'll get right into it in the story of Yosef and, and his brothers, Yehuda finally standing up. We'll talk about some of the major issues, as we have done in the past, in a moment or two, but first let's start off with a small, a small detail. And that is the beginning of the Parsha when Yehuda finally stands up and Yosef can't take it anymore. And he, and Yosef finally reveals himself. He says in Perak Memhei, Pasik Gimel, Veloya, Pasik Aleph, starting with Veloya Chal Yosef Lahis Apek Lachalari Savim Allah. Yosef can't hold back anymore. Vayikra Otiokalish Bealai, everybody leave. Everybody leave, everybody out. And nobody was there except Yosef and his brothers. He starts crying and he says the famous words, I am Yosef, is my father still alive? We've spoken about that phrase many times in the past years in terms of the fact that he knew that his father was already alive, the Beis Halevi and others, that really it was a deep rebuke. They couldn't answer him. Yosef says to his brothers, no, 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 please come. Please come close. And they came close. And he says, I am Yosef, your brother. That you sold me to Egypt. So question number one is, is this, is that the formulation that one would say if you're trying to appease, you're trying to come close, come on, we're all friends, it's all come on, I'm the brother that you sold into slavery, I'm him. Don't you remember me? Is this the phrase that one would say when one is trying to convince that I'm not holding a grudge and everything's okay? I'm the brother that you sold, question one. Question two is what is the emphasis of the word achichem? Of your brother. Ani Yosef He already just said the previous Pasik. He said to his brothers, I'm Yosef. They know he's the brother, but he's emphasizing, I'm Yosef, your brother. What is the extra phrase of Achicha? Says the Osra Satora, based on, of Ezra Atia, based on a Ravionis and Ibishis. Source number one, in the Yaris Dvash. You know, the Pasuk says in Shmuel, when Avshalom died, David HaMelech says about his son, B'ni Avshalom, B'ni, B'ni Avshalom, M'yitein Musiani Tachtecha. Oh, worried, I would give my life for you. Avshalom, B'ni, B'ni. David HaMelech wails and cries. And Chazal say in Masech Sota that David HaMelech uses the phrase B'ni seven times. Seven times he says, Bini, in the, in the, uh, not this, all together. Why? I'm sorry, eight times. He uses the phrase, Ben, eight times in order to bring him all the way up from the, from the lowest level of Gehenim. Just like there were seven heavens. Uh, Kaddish Baruch Hu comes down from his seven heavens, that's the Hashem Hu Elohim at the end of, of uh, Yom Kippur, and he goes back up after the, the seven Hashem Hu Elohims. So here too, there's seven levels of Gehenna. So David HaMelech, by saying the word Bini each time, he brought him up from one of the levels, 
Until he finally brought him into Gan Eden with the eighth. So what does that mean? It's magic. He says the word B'ni. And all of a sudden his, his uh, son gets out of, gets out of uh, Gehenim. What, what does that mean? The Hiksha asked of Yonas and Ibishitz, Echi Tachain, Shaba Amiras Bini, Matsilomi Gehenim. Fichi Koko Kmo Kadish? This is like a Kadish? Like we say, we're Bakadish Shem Shemayim, Beschus the Niftar. So if I say the word Bini, but that's not saying anything about Shem Hashem, about uh, Gidol of Shmo HaKadosh. So it says of Yonas and Ibishitz, no. The point is that Dabur Melech thinks to himself, what did Avshalom do to me? This doesn't make sense. He's a son. He's a prince. So does a prince rebel against the king? He should just wait for the king to die and then he'll become the king. It doesn't make sense, everything that Avshalom did. And Dabur Melech realizes that, even though Avshalom was so against him and rebelled against him. But David says to himself, there's something deeper going on here. David is defending, so to speak. A normal child does not rebel against his father. This must be behind the scenes. It must be that I'm deserving of this, even though I don't understand it. As we know, Came up in the Dafyomi a couple of days ago. That David Amelach, the whole, se- whole second half of Shmuel Beis, is, is about the Onesh of Shalom and Amnon and Tamar over and over again. So David Amelach realizes what Shalom did is not natural, is not normal, is not what a son would usually do to a father. It's just as a punishment. And therefore, David Amelach. Through acknowledging, he keeps saying, Bini, what's he saying by that? It doesn't make sense for a son to do it. It's just because of Hashkacha had it that he was behind the scenes orchestrating Avshalom's action, so to speak. Even though, obviously, Avshalom had Bechir Chavshis, he was in Gehenim. But, David HaMelech, through acknowledging the Ben, the relationship that he has with this with this person, he's saying, really, a Ben shouldn't do this. And really, HaKadosh Baruch Hu also, so to speak, had a hand in it. And that's how he brings him up from Gehenim through his declarations of Bini, Bini, Bini. And that's how he saves. Says now, Rav Ezra Atia, that we get back to our Pasik. Yosef reveals himself to his brothers and says, Ani Yosef, but they jump back. And he says again, Ani Yosef Achichem. I am Yosef, your brother. What's he emphasizing? Yes, you'll have your Bechir Rechavshis and HaKadosh Baruch will hold you accountable. But brothers don't sell brothers into slavery. That's not a normal activity that is acceptable. Just like Avshalom shouldn't rebel against David, brothers shouldn't sell Yosef. But there was Siyatah Deshmai involved behind the scenes. Yes, there'll be Din V'Cheshbon. I'm not taking away from that, says Yosef. But there is a sense of HaKadosh Baruch Hu orchestrating events to get me down to Mitzrayim before all of you to get it set up, to make sure everything is, is uh, taken care of, physically, spiritually. And he's acknowledging that by saying, Ani Yosef Achichem, your brother. And in that way, he is allaying their fear, so to speak, somewhat. Towards the end, It's obviously everything is from Shemaim, Im Kain, Al Te'atzvu, Val Yechar So that gets us started. David HaMelech, 
as the Masho and the Nimshal is Yosef. Why? Why emphasizing that he is he is their brother? Okay, moving right along. Perak Memhei Pasuk Yudal. A couple of Pesukim later, after he everybody takes a deep breath and they realize what's going on here a little bit, they try to let it sink in, and they tell. Yosef tell, gives them instructions, and he says, Yigatem Lavi, go back to Eretz Canaan, tell Yaakov what's happening, and all, everything that you've seen. Umihartem, quickly! Bring my father back. And then, after that, we'll get back to this order. He falls on the neck of his brother Binyamin. We spoke last year, or two years ago, how we imagined Binyamin being this little boy. This little boy, Binyamin. Let's remember that Binyamin was already born when Yosef left 22 years ago. Binyamin was in his 30s when the whole thing started. He wasn't like this young... I suppose where Rivlin had a, had a uh, ma'amar about that that we mentioned a number of years ago. So he cries. He doesn't have to bend down. Binyamin's probably his own height. So he cries on Binyamin's shoulders. And Binyamin cries back. Binyamin cries on his shoulders. So... On the surface, they were crying. They haven't seen each other. But Chazal have a different idea here. A deeper idea. They weren't just crying because they haven't seen each other in a long time. Says Rashi, Yosef is crying about the Batei Mikdash. We know the border between Binyamin and Yehuda went straight through Yerushalayim, the entire west side of the Beis HaMikdash, including the Kodesh Kadashim and the Heichal and 95% of the Mizbeach, that was all, maybe all the Mizbeach really, was all in Binyamin. And then on the east side was Yehuda. Yehuda had the the uh, the uh, Sanhedrin and the Ezra's Nashim and everything east. And that's why uh, the Chazal tell us that the base of the ramp what the base of the Mizbeach, I'm sorry, didn't have a base on the east side and on the south side. Because it had to be cut off because the border went right through. Went right through and the whole entire Mizbeach had to be in the, in the Chalik of Binyamin. So Binyamin had the base Hamikdash, had the Kodesh, had the Kodesh Kadashim. So Yosef sees in Binyamin's Chalik, the Bate Mikdash, he starts crying. Starts crying. Number one. And Binyamin, Bachal Savarav, Binyamin cries on Yosef's shoulders. Why? Al Mishkan Shiloh. Because of the Mishkan Shiloh that was going to be in Yosef's Chelek, <coughs> up for 369 years, and ultimately, Lecharev, it would be Nechrav. We don't have evidence that it was physically destroyed, but it at least stopped being used. Once the Aaron was taken by the Plishtim, then the Shiloh was, was closed. The Shiloh wasn't used anymore. This is Chazak. Question number one. A number of questions we need to ask on this. Number one. Why Dafka now are they crying for the Beis HaPatei Mikdash, for Shiloh? Okay, so you could say Chazal somehow had a deeper idea based on problems with the Lashon. It has to be a deeper cry. But why now? What happened? Yosef just revealed himself. And, they, and all of a sudden they start crying about the Beis HaMikdash. My Indian Beis HaMikdash hates Yosef revealing himself to his brothers. Question number one. Question number two. If you look back for a moment, and we'll see all these questions inside. If you think back for a moment to the end of the previous parsha, it's the same conversation that Yehuda is having with Yosef. At the end of the parsha's Miketz, 
The Pasuk says in I'm sorry, it's not the beginning of Yigash. I'm sorry, the previous Aliyah. Vayomer Avdecha Avi Eleinu. Yehuda is giving a recap of everything that has happened in order to prove to Yosef that he's being unrealistic and, and not fair. You told us to go bring our brother. And we go bring our brother. And you said we can't go back until we bring the younger brother. So we bring the younger brother. And now he's here. Now you want to keep him. Vayomer Avdecha Avi Eleinu. And your servant, our father, told us I don't want to let Binyamin go. You know that my wife had two children. And one of them left. I know he has been ripped apart. And haven't seen him since. You want to take this other son of my wife? The And a terrible tragedy might happen. I can't deal with it. Says Yaakov Avinu. The Ramban picks up on the phrase earlier. I didn't give it to you, but in that pasuk, pasuk Chav Zayin, when Yehuda is repeating what Yaakov had told them again, what does Yaakov say? My wife only had two kids, and one of them's gone, and you want to take the other one? My wife, singular, Lashon Yachid. What about my wives? One of my wives. The Ramban says because right here Yaakov declared as part of his speech, that he had one main wife. And that was Rachel Imeinu. Again, nothing negative against Leah, but it was just that the special relationship, he had a special relationship with both of them, but Rachel was unique in terms of, there were four Imaos, right? But Rachel, well, Rachel and Leah were the ones that, that had the shift they cut, right? Sarah and Rivka did it. Each of the Imaos had a specific tafkin. Leah was the one that was Mamid Mot, half the Shvatim. There's no greater schus than that. Half of Chal Yisrael, six Shvatim. Rachel doesn't have that schus, but Rachel has the Akeres Habayis schus. And that's what's meant by Shnayim Yodali Yishti. Question number two, why is that mentioned here? In this monologue of Yehuda, he specifically quotes that phrase from his father, Shnayim Yodali Yishti, as if to say that Yehuda is quoting that his mother isn't the real mother, isn't the real wife. Question two. So again, question one, why crying for the Churbanos right now? Question two, why the emphasis in the first Aliyah? And finally, the third question, which is the major question on the entire story, which we've dealt with in past years as well, the question of the Ramban from last week's Parsha, and the question of all. Why did Yosef reveal, why didn't Yosef reveal himself right away? That's the major question that all the commentaries ask. Why did he keep it secret? Right when they walked in. I'm Yosef, I'm here, you found me, oh please. And it even sounds like, what does it say right before he reveals himself? What does the Pasuk say? Velo yacho, where's the Pasuk? Velo yacho Yosef lehitapek, v'chol enitzavim alav. Yosef can't hold back anymore. What does it sound like? That he was trying to hold back, but he couldn't. Okay, everybody out. If he would have been able to hold back, he would have held out even longer. But he did it. So why? Why did Yosef do this? So again, many suggestions given. This year we'll see that one of the Bad Kodesh. Rav Pavarsky, Rosh Hashiv, and Padovich. Source number two. Bechol, hine bechol parshas Yosef emechav. Yishlo tamua ma'od. He throws in another question. A fourth question. The Amnam. Nomar bepasik. 
Yosef The Pasuk says that Yosef recognized his brothers and they didn't recognize him based on Chazal that he didn't have a beard when they left and they had beards. How is it possible that the brothers did not for one moment think that this might be Yosef? You don't get that impression at all. There were so many things that happened over the past two parshas that should have given it away to them. So many things that they didn't put two and two and two together. Or we're looking from the outside. We're like, wow, they are thick. They, I can't believe. But if you think about it, it's true. How could they not have figured it out? Yosef kept dropping hints to them. And he quotes them all. They went to Egypt looking for him. So don't they, hmm, I mean, like, like what the beard, yes, that's true, but they, if you spent a lot of time with your brother, even if like he didn't have a beard the last time, at least a little bit, possible. So they all went, went in, as Rashi quotes last week, into different gates in order to look for him, and they're all rounded up. They're like, wow, this leader is so interested in our last names, he was able to put us all together and bring us all, and he's talking to us? Why is he doing Does he talk to everybody? The viceroy? The famous Yosef? For three days before, when they got there, they were looking for him. And then they're called, they come together and they see him. But nothing. And then they come. And then they come, line 16. Shema, Shema, they don't, he doesn't think Shema who's at home in the fam. Shema, Shema, Number one, even as a negative, they thought to themselves, why is this all this bad stuff happening to us? Maybe they could have thought, well, maybe Yosef is behind this and he's taking revenge. They don't even have that thought. For whatever reason, why don't they think this is Yosef? Why does this guy want Binyamin so much? Why? Who loves Binyamin more than anybody in the world? Why does he want Binyamin so much? And he kept asking, how's your father doing? Every conversation, how's your father doing? If you look even in the Psukim, in the Psukim it says that he asked about the father before he gave a hug to Binyamin. He was more interested, why does he care so much about our elderly father? Ben Zakunin. I mean, once, as we say in this country, Nafala Simon. But why? How couldn't it? It was it was stuck. V'chein mashakas avod. And what did we say at the end of last week's parsha? He called them all in. Okay, you said, and he puts them all in order of age. How does this guy know this? Ruvet Shemalev, all of them. And then Binyama doesn't have a a pair. Okay, you sit next to me. There's so many ins. V'odisa. And then when he wants to put put Shimon away, Shimon starts attacking them, and Menashe goes and he puts him in jail. Uh, I don't understand, says the Bad Kodesh. How couldn't they think it was Yosef? So here we go. This is what I think the whole story, how we can put all these questions together to answer them. I'm in the second column now. That's true. Logically, they should have thought it was Yosef. They should have. But still, the brothers looked at all of the complaints and the difficulty that this man gave them they saw Rauzos Kastirilaz, and they realized 
this wouldn't be how Yosef would act. Why? Because they have now come to the realization that everything Yosef said was L'shem Shemayim. They, would, they didn't have tainas against Yosef anymore. The only thing they had against Yosef was that they were scared that he would do something. But they didn't think, they weren't against Yosef anymore. They, they realized that it must be something beyond them and they were wrong. They said, It can't be that Yosef would be so difficult and not reveal himself to us. That's the biggest machria that this can't be Yosef. Because he would have, he would have revealed himself. They wouldn't have thought of, of revenge. So what is going on here then? That's why they didn't think it was Yosef. Next column. So why didn't Yosef reveal himself? Here's the key line that he says the secret of the whole story. Skip a couple of lines. And then, as we said before, he would have remained quiet even more. Why is it? What halachic basis did he have not to reveal himself and take his father out of his misery? Next paragraph. I'm basing my words on the Svasemes, says the Bad Kodesh. The root machlokas between them, going all the way back to Vayeshev and ending in this week's parsha, Haisa Machlokas Mautis Ben Bnei Rachel Bnei It was a tribal machlokas and a motherly machlokas. Shemakora Haisa Bazeh, and the root machlokas was Rachel versus Leah. That was the machlokas. Who is the Ikar wife of Yaakov Avinu? That's the root of everything. She Yaakov Echzeg is Rachel HaKeres HaMais Hainu Lishto Ikaris V'yalzeh Kama Machlokezu V'gab Be'em Shechadoros And even later on Malchus based David David HaMelech from Yehuda from Leah Yeravim Menavad is from Ephraim from Yosef from B'nai Rachel Throughout history we find this Machlokez and that's even the Haftorah this week Parsha Shavu and from Yechezkel, right? Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, you have Yosef, Bnei Rachel, you have Bnei Leah. And eventually they'll make Mata Echad, as the Navi explains. They'll unite. But at that, that's, that's, that's in Yechezkel. It didn't happen yet, and it didn't happen for sure in the times of the Shvatim. Avol Shorish Machlokas, who is Chiluk Far ben Ashvatim, ben Bnei Rachel and Bnei Leah. Those are Machlokas. Ine Lefize. The Shvatim, when they came down to Mitzrayim, you know what they're being ma'ashem about? Not just that they sold their brother, but we're ma'ashem that they, we realize that it was, so to speak, love at first sight at the well when Yaakov saw Rachel. Yes, our mother has a place in Maris HaMachpelah. The four Imahos. Yes, we recognize that, but we also realize the uniqueness of Rachel Imenu. It's not against Judaism to believe that some people have special status. I'm a Yisrael. I know that the Kohanim have special status. I know a Bechor has special status. I'm neither. So we realize that. And the Kohanim realize that the Kohen Gogol has special status. And we realize that the king, everybody has a Tafkin in life. It's different. Says the Bad Kodesh. The Shvatim realized that. That was their mistake that they were mode on. Shehikiru Bakach. Shabnam Rachel Yakeres Abayis. 
So that's why what they wanted to do was They wanted to bring Yosef back to be able to have Shalom, to be able to bring together, to have love between the Bnei Rachel and the Bnei Leah. V'chein kilafik klapi binyamin. Next column on top, they did everything they could to protect binyamin because he was the one that they had left. V'chein Yehuda, Ashoya ikar b'mechiras Yosef. Yehuda says, take binyamin back. He's ready to be Moser Nefesh for a Ben Rachel. That's the root of what Yehuda stand, stood up to do. V'yavkol ha'yekadeh l'sakid b'midazu ascheto b'mechiras Yosef. And the root of mechiras Yosef was this denial of the unique quality of a Ben Rachel. And that's why, beautiful, that's why Yehuda says, quotes his father and says, Kishnayim Yodali Yishti. He's Moda, that Rachel was the Ikar Isha of Yaakov Avinu. That's what Avkit said in this Parshas Vayigash, as the Ramban says, Yodali Yishti. Asher Lecharet Sarach Beer, line 16. L'shei Maha Yehuda Zara Lahosef in Yenzeh. Why is he mentioning this now? Ula HaMavur, according to what we're saying, Asi Shapir. It works beautifully. Shizui hayaata kol kavanaso l'sakin e'inyan. This is what he wants to do. Uva Yehuda v'ahoda l'akach Yehuda admits and agrees. So what was Yosef trying to do? Now we understand what the Shvatim were trying to do. But what was Yosef trying to do? Yosef also realized this. And Yosef wanted to bring the brothers to full, complete Ava and Shalom. And the more he could hold out the more he could prove that he's in charge and yet he's not going to do anything to them. And the more he holds out, the more they have a yearning to be together with him. I wish we could just find Yosef and get rid of this guy. So the more he does not reveal himself, the closer he will end up bringing the brothers in terms of the tikkun for the hate of splitting up of the families. That's why he didn't want to reveal himself right away. And he tried so hard to keep going. Until he had to give up. He was allowed to because it was for the greater good. Not just like the Ramban says, oh, he was trying to get them to do tshuva. Deeper than that. He wanted to bring the family back together for all, these are the ship they call, for all of Klai Yisrael. The root of Sinas Chinam had started already. The more I could bring them back together, this will have an effect for generations and generations. So he did all he could, and then he reached a point, just, just, it wasn't humanly possible for him to hold back anymore. But right after that, what happens? Now we get back to the first question we asked. He reveals himself and he cries for the Bate Mikdash. Why Dafka right now? He cries for the Bate Mikdash. If he could have held back a little longer, there would never have been Horbanos. There would never have been such sinaschinam that was so prevalent. He tried. Why would the brothers, why was Am Yisrael punished later in history by the Asara Haruge Malchus and the terrible kings that said, oh, you sold your brother for a pair of shoes. You have to get punished. Why? Because he wasn't Zohar to be masakin there perfectly. There was still some sinaschinam, a little bit left, which then obviously spread. He wasn't able to root it out. The sickness, sometimes if you have Rahman al a doctor can tell us if there is a disease that causes certain symptoms, 90% is nothing. Because you get leave the 10%, it's going to start spreading again. Rahman al but that's what Yosef did. He did all he could. But that's why he doctor cried for the Bati Mikdash right after he revealed himself. Line 11 now in the third column. But Sarah Biur, 
What's he crying for now? He was crying because he hasn't seen Binyamin. Why did Chazal say this? Ulam, according to what I wrote, Mavur Hetev. If he could have just held out longer, which we don't fault him for. He was, he was, hadn't seen his brothers in years and his father. The Achdus could have been even greater and there would never have been a Churban Abayis. That's why they were crying right now. That's why he mentioned Shnaim Yodali Ishti. That's why Yosef didn't reveal himself. <coughs> and that's why you have all of these questions answered by the Bad Kodesh in this way. Okay, we could do all, everything that we can to prevent the Sinaschinim in our way, to try to bring, bring everything together. Okay, moving right along. Continuing the story. Next Pasuk. So he cries on Binyamin's shoulders, Binyamin cries on him. He kisses each one of his brothers. And he cries on them. And then he spoke to each of them. Nishika kissing comes up a couple of times in Bracious. Right, we had it a couple of weeks ago when Yaakov first meets Rachel. We have it here. We have it in Parshas Vayechi again. After Yaakov dies towards the end of the Parsha. In next week, right, we have right after he dies, Vayitzavosam. He said, Yaakov says, I'm going to die. Which is a separate idea. He kissed his father after, after Petira. Or Chaimachos talks about it there. A lot of kissing going on. Two points. One halachic, and one more just about the story. The first isn't focusing on the Nashika, That'll be the second point. But first is the first phrase. He cries. Nobody cries more in Sefer Bracious than Yosef. Just a ha'ara says the Ozayin LaTorah. He was always crying. He was, he was, went through a lot in his life. Says the Ozayin LaTorah, source number four, Yesh lo ha'ir, she Yosef haya bal bechi. He was a crier. Parshas Mikates, vayaseim ne'alehem vayef, he turned around last week. Vayevakesh levkos, vayevachatra vayef shama. Vayetinez kola bevchi, vayipo vayef, vayef kalehem, vayef kalsavarav od, vayef kalav, vayef kiosim adabram elav. Apes look him in Sefer Bracious. What's the root? Misha saval har baby me dimosav mitsuyos afilu bime shalvaso begadluso. If somebody had been through a lot emotionally, then the faucets are open just naturally. If they've cried a lot in difficult times, they're going to cry even in not such difficult times. Just some people are like that. Some people cry more than others. Yosef was a big babech. In a good way. In a natural way. The Achim, the brothers, Shalosavlu kol yamechayehem, that did not suffer through all the years. Even when they should have cried, so to speak. When naturally crying would have been the reaction, they didn't. Even on other people's sorrows, he was crying. This was Yosef, who spent the second half of his life, after the first number of years, when he was Masalsal Basairo and he was focusing on himself, so to speak, he learned to become one of the greatest leaders we ever had, and he spent the rest, spent, spent all of Mikates and Vayikeshamayachi taking care of everybody else. Starting with the Saramashkim and the Saraofim 
and his brothers and the whole pe- all the people of Mitzrayim. Yosef focused on others, and that's what made him great. So that's Vayetzalayim. Vayenashik lahem, just a halachic issue that we don't always think about, but it's just interesting ha'ara. In halacha, we also have various times that we kiss items. It's a bit of kissing a mezuzah. When one uh, passes a mezuzah, well, the early sources talk about looking at it, focusing on it. Okay, but the minhag is many times to kiss it. Minhag of kissing tzitzes at various times in kissing our tefillin, various times in davening. But when we have a mezuzah, or a sefer Torah for that matter, what many of us do is, we don't actually, most of our mezuzah is too high. We never, never really saw somebody, even if it's high enough, if they're tall enough, to go to a mezuzah and actually kiss the mezuzah. You know, most of the time we do the old putting the hand on and kissing our fingers. You ever think about that? What are we doing? We're kissing our fingers. Does that count for kissing the mezuzah? We all do it. But we have to think about it. Sometimes we just do things without, by rote, and it's just like what everybody does. But does that really, is that really respectable? Is that being mechabed? Or by a safer Torah? Right, different menagim. Some people actually kiss the Torah, and some people do the hand touch with the fingers or with the talus. So the Shari Ephraim, one of the Svarman Ilchus discusses this. Once we're talking about halachik neshikas. V'tini Yotzah Sefer Torah is quoted here in the Torah Ladas, but it's the Shari Ephraim. Noagim shekol echad mikar v'atzmol l'klas l'roh Sefer Torah anashem anashem. First of all, we see the Sefer Torah. That's already in the Ramban, in Parshas Kisavo, by Hakel. V'yafa omdim ba'azara, or, or a little later, after Hakel. K'shem shomim shemotzira machnisa Sefer Torah, but he runs to see it. V'kolam is karvim etzla, this is all the Shari Ephraim, no shkima Sefer Torah b'peh. They kiss the Sefer Torah. V'yomrim yishakeni minashikos piyu. See a pasuk from Shira Shirim. V'im karvets fall matzmas lachabeik v'zerosav. You hold it, okay? V'im enu yachol l'nashik b'peh l'nashik b'yat. There it is, the Shari Ephraim, one of the one of the basic texts on Hilchos Tefila, right there. Hilchos Kriyas Torah. You kiss it with your hand, and in the footnotes there, in the Pischei Sharim, Havi he quotes those that were against this. What are you doing? You want to kiss it? You want to kiss it? But don't kiss your hand. And the Shari Ephraim himself with the footnotes of the Pischei, Shari said, no, 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 there's not a problem. It's a fine minhag. Why, what, what's that, what does it mean? What, are you, what am I doing when I do that, fulfill that minhag? Shemara Ke'ilu al yedei negiyah b'sefer Torah, nidbak b'yad roshem kedusha. By kissing my fingers after touching the Torah of the mezuzah, I am acknowledging the reality of spirituality. Spirituality is something tangible. I, I really think that there's something on my fingers after I touch the Torah. It's not a bizayon. There are even some postgamer of Henkin as a truth about this, which say maybe we shouldn't kiss the Torah. Right? In the, in the continuation, there's a quote here, maybe we shouldn't, everybody's saliva gets on the Torah, there's different, different uh, views. But to say that the hand on the Torah, there's something very special about that. Because we're acknowledging that, that the Kedusha of the Torah, that's something that's over there. I touch it and I kiss my hand. That's what I'm doing. So, whatever one's minog is, one should follow that minog, but we should realize 
that when it comes to, we should think about every little thing we do in life. Next time we kiss the mezuzah, to realize that the, the kedusha of the mezuzah, you don't have to kiss the mezuzah. You just look at the mezuzah. That's the ikker of realizing the, the Ramam says in the mezuzah. That we, when we pass the mezuzah, we should just think, The only thing that's eternal in life is knowledge of God and our connection to Him. Capital H. So the ikker of passing a mezuzah is to, it's better to go slowly and think about it than to go quickly and just like rub our hand on the mezuzah without, without thinking. But next time we touch it and we touch our hands, we have to realize there's something very special about that, quoted right here in the Pisgah Shah. Okay. We continue. So Yosef sends them back. He gives um, various items to his brothers, and he gives them a change of clothing. He gives Binyamin 300 kesef, five changes of clothing. We discussed that in past years. Isn't he getting into the same problems that his father was getting into? Isn't he showing favoritism to Binyamin? Not for now. <laughs> Yosef sends them out and they go by Yomer Aleyhem and he says to them, Al Tirgazu Baderech. Hard word to translate. Tirgazu, Rogez is anger. That's Unculus. Lotis Natsun Don't fight on the way back. Simple understanding is, you know, after this whole thing on the way back, probably, it was your fault. You're about Yehuda, Reuven. Right? If you're Shimon and Levi, you're the strongest ones, we would have listened to you. That's as simple as the Pashas. Pashas is, Rabosai, it's all from Hashem. It's all from Hashem, just go bring Yaakov Avinu down and, you know, let's get on with our lives. That's the Pashas. But Rashi quotes the Gemara that says a different shot. Rashi says, one of the three Pshatim that he quotes, and Rashi quotes, what I just said was the Pshutah Shomikra. Don't get bogged down in your learning. Don't learn so heavily. Don't get so deeply involved in the sugya. Maybe you'll take a wrong turn. Maybe you won't go as fast. Just go back quickly and bring Yaakov Avinu down. Don't learn so hard. Yosef tells them. He quotes the Zichron Meir, Meir Rabman. What does what Yosef think they're going to do? Well, they're going to have, they're going to have a, a shear on Shev Shemites on the way back. What he thinks they're going to really lose, what do you think's on their mind? On the way back, they haven't seen their brother in decades. They're going back to bring their father. They're going to be learning. They're going to be focused on Talmudic topics. Wouldn't they be like focusing on just the road in front of them? Says the Zechron Mayor, no. Because Yosef realizes who his brothers are. Obviously, nobody's perfect. But he knows Yes, the Torah wasn't given yet. But the idea of the Avos keeping the Torah Ashlo Nitna and focusing on the, on the concepts of the Torah. And that's what bringing me closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The brothers were Osek in that too. And not only were they Osek it, they got lost in it. And Yosef has to warn them because according to Chazal, you wouldn't have to give a warning if it wasn't, if it wasn't Shayach that it would be a problem. Says the Zichron Meir, She Yosef Yadavahavid ki ha'achiv nesunim b'mevucha gedola b'ikvah tochachta anora. He realizes this, but he realizes they live by ki heim chayin of Yerachemenu. What do those words mean? They, the words of Torah, are our life. Va'orech yamenu uva'hem nege yamol alayla. Halavai, we should have more kavana during Meiruv. Al-Karachov, skip a couple of lines. Sorach Lomar Sheyosi Vikaris Echa, V'yada, Sha'atorah Yichayim Amish, the Torah is their life. 
Even now, in a situation like this, they wouldn't stop learning. And not only would they not stop learning, but they wouldn't stop learning on the level that they were learning. In depth. To lose themselves. Like we spoke a couple of weeks ago about losing oneself when I'm learning. Yosef realizes that that's what they are and therefore he has to give them warning. Make sure, make sure not to do this. And continues, the like October now on line 15. This isn't just a midas chasidus. No, I, I learn, but I, you know, can focus on a lot of things, right? We live in the generation where we, where we have to multitask. If we're not multitasking, we feel like we're wasting time. I'm just going to be driving? No. I got to be on the phone. I got to be, I, I'm just going to be at the computer? No. I got to be a, a few things. We have to multitask. Or else we feel like we're wasting time. That's the generation that we live in. When we're eating, we can't just eat. We have to be accomplishing something else besides eating. Right? Whatever. Whatever it is, that's what we do. Says the Lakh Tov, now when we're learning. Because when we're learning, we have to be totally involved in the task and lose ourselves in the task that we can't do anything else. That's the definition of Talmud Torah. Line 15. That's only by the Shvatim. This is Limana Torah that's required of us throughout the generations. And he tells the story which we've focused on in the past in Sefer Yoshua, where Yeshua ben Nun is on the battlefield. And the Malach comes to him and says, you should be learning. We're not going to go through that again. But the Ramam says, look in the last line, line 27. The Ramam says, Kol Ishmi Yisrael, Chayi Torah. Every single Jew is Chayi. Bein Ani, Bein Ashir, next page. Bein Shalim Begufa, Bein Bal Yisur. It doesn't matter what my physical situation is, what my financial bracket is, what my age is. Bein Bakr, Bein Shaya Zakin, Gadol, Shetashos Kocho. No matter what, and Yosef realized that about the Shvatim, but the Shvatim are us. They sell, they, they, when Makadish the Ritzvah, they set the groundwork, and that's what we have to do. And he just quotes at the end, relating to the Hasmada of Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe Feinstein, the Posekador, Vinitzel Regaim Shayetlo, he number for some O's. He says some of the stories of Rav Moshe are unbelievable, and he was somebody in our generation. The Galus, the Amelus. Of Reb Moshe. Pam, what was Reb Moshe's behavior every time there was laning? Pam, Gashinikra, Lalos, Tatar, one time Reb Moshe got an aliyah. So one time somebody, one of the Talmudim, brought him his little Mishnah so he could learn between the aliyahs during the Mishaberach. He brought it to Reb Moshe at the Bima. Somebody comes over and says, What are you doing? Reb Moshe is going to come. He only stays up there for one aliyah. I'll come back in a minute. What are you doing? Next time, just let Ramosha stay there. What is it, 10 seconds? The Talmud goes to Ramosha and says, Did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? Ramosha says, No, you did the right thing. Doesn't matter how long something is. Three hours of learning and 10 seconds of learning is all of infinite value. And they quote that Ramosha. Throughout all of the years into his 80s, every time there was laning, what did he do? Right when the Ola started with the bracha beforehand, he went close to the bima and there was a child that held the chumash for Rav Moshe, who was Zohar to be that child. And right after the aliyah, right after the bracha, he ran back to his makom to learn some mishnayis until the next aliyah happened. And he did this every time there was laning. That's someone who, re- who understood 
Al-Tirguzu Baderach. It's not just 45 seconds of, you know, it's okay, it's between landing. It's Begabra Begabra, at least I'm not talking. No, not only the Sur Meirah, but at least the Essay Tov. To realize the uniqueness of every moment, and Yosef realized that, and that's why he had to give the brothers the warnings. Okay, moving right along. Mem Hechav Famous Rashi. We've spoken about it in past years. We'll have to put in our suggestion for this year. Yosef sends back to Yaakov Avinu. The brothers come back. They tell him on Pasach Chavav, Od Yosef Chai, Moshe Bacholeris Mitzrayim, he's still alive. He does not believe them. He does not believe that. I don't believe it. Even though, parenthetically, Yosef, Sorry, Yaakov, throughout all the years, there was something gnawing at him. As we know, he never got over it. And Chazal say, only a message So even though he did Kriya, and even though he was depressed, there was something gnawing at him. And finally, he was able to be Zochet, to have the Simcha and the Shalva. They tell him everything Yosef said, and then he sees those famous wagons. So that Yosef sent him, and only then, only then he is uplifted and he comes alive again. Rashi quotes he had the Shechina again because the Shechina had been uh, separating from separated from him. And the question that Chazal already asked is, what, what's so special about the Agalos? They told him everything. Nobody didn't believe anything. He sees the Agalos, oh, Baruch Hashem. And Chazal say, if you switch around the Nekudos a little bit with Agalos, it might mean Egla, Egla is a calf, Egla Arufa, the last sugya that Yosef and Yaakov were studying together, oh, Egla Arufa, Baruch Hashem. He's still, he's still my, my Yasala, he's still my Yosef. And the question that all the Mepharshim ask is, why Egla Arufa? What's so special about that topic? And many suggestions given. We'll give one for this year from Rav Zevin. Two Rav Zevins tonight. There'll be two Oats for Satoris, two Rav Zevins as well. First Rav Zevin. What's the message of Egla Rufa? Again, the anonymous corpse found between two cities. The city that's closest, you measure. There's a kingdom of that city come out and say, We didn't do it. And what does it mean? We really think that they committed murder? No, it means that we did not let this guest go without... Uh, bread, without Levaya, without Achille of we didn't, we, we didn't leave him without accompaniment. Fine. What's the message of that? Klal Gadol on Ulamei Rufa, line three. We learn a Klal Gadol says of Zevin from the Parsha of Eglar Rufa. Ha'adam Achra'i Lorak al Hapulos, Shetososea Nero's Tekef, Alatar. A person is responsible not only for the effects of their actions that is right in front of them, We are responsible, not just for our own actions and effects that happen right now, but we have to be roe as hanolad and think what our actions were going to cause down the line. Today, tomorrow, in 10 years from now, in our children. That's Egla Rufa. Mine not accompanying somebody out of the city will lead to his death. I didn't kill him. 
What did I do? I had nothing to do with it. My action in the city has an effect outside the city. Rotseach Nikra, a murderer is called Lo Rak Zeh Ho'omed Beparshas Drachim Umetiz Besayif Ubekaidim Zover Meshavim. Not only a murderer, not only somebody stands at the at the Parshas Drachim in the in the street and kills somebody. Actually, Elav Zeh Sha'al Yidei Maisav Nizgalgalu Advarim Sheploni Nerag. If I cause it indirectly, that's also. But again, in a less extreme way, all of our actions have effects. He says, in this example, line 17, Mazon v'leviyah, kfulim heim shnei food and accompaniment, mazon chamri u mazon ruchani, there is physical food, there's spiritual food, when somebody leaves, you give them physical food, but also, what does the Quran say in brachas, you don't leave, you give them spiritual food, there's accompaniment, if I don't do that, I have to realize, what's going to happen, and then he says, that's what Yaakov did. When he taught him Egla Arufa, that was his spiritual accompaniment throughout all the years. Or at least going to Shechem at the beginning. Shechem was a dangerous place. But Yaakov still sent him there to see how his brothers were doing. But Yaakov taught Yosef that message, the effects of your actions. And he taught, teaches us. And now I realize, Yosef says, I see what the brothers did. I see what I did. The whole story. That's Egla Arufa. Realizing that everything that we do has effects later down the line. Okay, second to last thought of the evening. Let's skip now towards the end of the parsha. All the shvatim are listed. Perak Memzayim. The brothers come down. And Vayave Yosef as Yaakov Aviv. Yosef presents Yaakov, his father, to Paro. Yaakov is Paro. Yaakov gives Paro a bracha. How is this Yaakov? How old are you? How old are you? Unusual question to ask Yaakov. He must have looked the part. I'm 130. Doesn't have such a great view of his life at this moment. Again, we won't say that we would be any better after everything that Yaakov was through, as Rashi quotes in previously. Right? Think about Yaakov's life. This is Yaakov. Remember Yaakov and Esav? Same Yaakov. Esav, Yosef, Dina, Shimon and Levi, Lavan. Right? It's not simple. But this is what Yaakov says. Ma'at v'ra'im. So it's somewhat of a difficult phrase that Yaakov says. If you look in the Medrash, it's even fuller. Source number 10. The Medrash says, Hashem says to Yaakov, I saved you from Esau, I saved you from Lavan. I gave you back Dina and Yosef. And you're complaining? They're matzvaraim? Chayecha. Sheminyan, I swear, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sheminyan ha-tevo she'ish bin vayomer yeparol Yaakov ad vimei megurehem. That whole phrase, every word is going to be a year of your life. That you're going to live less than your father. And that's 33 tevos. Yitzchak lived 180. And Yaakov lived 147. And the question is, what was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's tie on Yaakov? Well, I saved you! 
but you were the one who gave him the Saras in the first place. Oh, thank you very much. You saved me from Asa. Yeah, but Asa wanted to kill me. You put me in that. I had to run away for years. And and what about Yosef? I was missing my son for 22 years. Right? So what is that? What is Hashem's taina? What's his complaint to Yaakov Avinu? There were decades of pain and anguish. So why was Yaakov faulted here? Venir Levar explains the Osra Torah based on a thought that we mentioned a number of years ago, but I never mentioned it inside. Here you have it inside. Says the Shulchan Aruch, it's in Reish Lamed. Again, it's in Shulchan Aruch, it's not just the Gemara. Shulchan Aruch says on line 11, we have to accustom ourselves to say everything Hashem does is for the good. Everything is for the good. And the Chachm Shlomo on the Shulchan Aruch says, or Shlomo Kluger, Not like the Shulchan Aruch. And he says, look in my Chidushim what the Nafkamin is between them. What's the difference between those two phrases? One is Aramaic, called Ahavid Rachman Latavavid, and one is Hebrew, Gamzulatova. What's the what's the difference between those two? Explains the Sefer Shomer Amunim. The difference is as follows. Called Ahavid Rachman Latavavid, line 16. Right now it's tough. Right, right now, excuse me, I'm in pain. But I know it's got to be good. Because everything Hashem does ultimately is for the good. That's one level. And that was Rabbi Akiva's level. When he came, the words at the end of Brachas, he came to a city, he didn't have a place, he's sleeping in the, in the field. And a lion comes and eats his donkey. And a, and a bachatul and eats his, his uh, chicken. And his candle goes out. Called David Rahman al-Tabavid. I have no idea how it's good now, but it's going to be good. And obviously, we find, you know, the end of the story, he finds out that an attacking army went through and he was saved. Gamzul Tov is a higher level. Rabbi Akiva's Rebbe, Nachemish Gamzu, had an even higher level. Gamzu Latova means this. Right now, I believe, not just it will be good, but it is good. And that is a superhuman reaction. Because after all, we say Baruch Dayan Ha'emes. We don't say Hatova Ha'metiv Bizman Hazeh when there is a tragedy. In the future, we're going to say Hatova Ha'metiv on everything. But nowadays we're on the level of Rabbi Akiva, Halavai. But Gamzul Tova is an even higher level. But that's what Akadish Baruchu wanted from the Avos as well. That was his claim from Yaakov Avinu. Yes, obviously Yaakov knew everything is for the good, everything has a plan. But Yaakov, you have to be a Gamzul Tova man. And he even quotes this from the story from Rabbi Zusha. They want to ask Rabbi Zusha. Says, how does the Gemara say, Kishen Shemavarech Alatova Kachmavarech Alarah? And Rabzusa says, I don't understand the question. I, I, I've never had any raw in my life. So I really don't know what the question is. Says Rabzusa, who had no money and nothing in his life. Because Rabzusa didn't understand the question. Everything was Gamzulatova. There's even a beautiful marshal given about the reaction that we have to try to have, even though it's so hard, but the reaction we have to try to have when there's a difficulty in our lives, and we have to try to be makabel bi'ahava, try to be even on the level of, of Rabbi Akiva, not Nachemish Gamzu, which is the higher level, but even Rabbi Akiva, 
Right? If we're not Makabah Ba'ava, we might be losing the whole purpose of the of the Tsara, and maybe we'll, we won't be Zokha to the Yeshua if we don't have the proper the proper reaction. It's an unbelievable marshal given by the Sharbas Rabbim on line number seven. He quotes there. There's a balabayas. Somebody gets a carpenter to build him a table. Build him a table. So the carpenter brings in all the all the wood that he's going to use, and he starts cutting up all the wood. And the guy says, "What are you doing? You're 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 cutting up all this beautiful wood. You're destroying it. You're creating all this sawdust. What are you doing? Just get out of here. Enough. I I can't. Just leave. Just leave." And he throws the carpenter out. And what is he left with? Chopped pieces of broken wood. Nothing. He doesn't have a table because he threw out the carpenter while he was making the table. Sometimes we feel the cuts and we feel the, the table breaking, but we're not Zoha to the table. Sometimes the table is only in Las Lava. Sometimes the table is only in Olam Abba. We don't see the table. But we have to try to be macabre and realize there's a table being made. There's a beautiful tapestry being made. But we're just in the middle. We're just in the middle. We have to realize that is an unbelievable mida that is very challenging and difficult, but it's something that we have to strive for. To try to be macabre ba'ava, not just on the level, the highest level of Yaakov Avinu, but even on the level, the lower level of just realizing it. And he quotes at the end the fascinating Medrash Plia, the last five lines, which says, Sadikim enam ochlim enam mina gezel. On the bottom of the page. Sadikim only eat from gezel. Enam ochlim elam mina mavashel. Mavushel. Only from gezel and only from mavushel. The omrim kedal omar. That's a Medrash Pliya. Right? Which means, what in the world is the Medrash talking about? Explains the Sefer Medrash Chachamim that he quotes, Sadiqim Ali from Gezel, Gamzu Latova. Gamzu Latova. They eat from Gezel because they're always satisfied with what they have. Mavushal, Mistapkin B'mashi Yishlahem. Whatever they have, that's what, that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to have. Kedal Omer, Kalman Da'avid Rachman Latova. That's the measure, that's the, that's the attitude that we have to try to have. Rounding out this week's, this year's discussion of Ayigash, we'll end it on the last Pasuk. A thought that I think we've mentioned in past years on Parshas Vayechi, but it also connects to Vayigash. So we'll, we're still allowed to mention it again. It's not called a repeat. We're also going to add one other source, so hope, uh, hope it's, under, it's understandable. Last Pasuk! So, Baruch Hashem, B'nai Yisrael are back together again, and they're in Goshen, and they're learning Torah, and they're wonderful. Last Pasuk, Vayeshev Yisrael, Be'eris Mitzrayim, Be'eris Goshen. They're in Eretz Mitzrayim and Goshen. Vayeachazuba. They have an achiza. They have a hold. Vayifru, Vayirbu, Ma'ot. What does Vayeachazuba mean? Rashi. Lashon, achiza. They have a hold. Okay, what does that mean? They have a hold. Says Reb Zevin, Reb Zevin number two, expanded upon by the Kleyakar, which we'll get to, one of the most defining Kleyakars in all this commentary. Says the Torah of the Moadim, says Reb Zevin in source number, third, source number 12. What does Achiza mean? There are two types of Achizos. That could be a positive Achiza or a negative Achiza. Tova Shetochas Bazet. That's a good one. Yochaz Tzadik Darko. Darko. Achaz Penu. There are positive grabbings. And then there are negatives. Lechoz Besichlos. To grab foolishness. 
What does achiza mean? Achiza muvenes hishtar shirot vikfius. Achiza means permanence. It establishes a deep connection to the item that I am being oches. Right? What is the land that is for me that I got when I was part of the Shvatim? Stay achuza. That's different than a stay mikneh, which could go back to somebody else. An achuza is something that I have. It's my tribal land. Something that I'm connected to forever. Says Rav Zevin, B'nai Yisrael had a gzera during Brisbane Abbasarim. Ki geri yir zaracha beres There was a gzera of galus. But galus does not mean achiza. Ve'en galus elakishem argishem sheim gerim v'ha'eretzi lo lahem. And B'nai Yisrael in Mitzrayim, the Shiftei God, their children, their grandchildren, they forgot about Eretz Kenan. And they got it, they had an Achiza in Eretz Goshen. Eretz HaKadosha. Eretz Goshen, Ira Kodesh. But it was Eretz Mitzrayim and Chazal Seviya Achu Zuba. Nisyashu v'nis Achzu v'zegarm Lashibud and that just kept them in Mitzrayim longer. And Parsha Zustuma, the next Parsha next week by Yichi starts off Sosum. Doesn't, it does not have a break like there is at the beginning of usual parshios. Why? Because their eyes and their hearts started being closed off from the beginning of the, of the Shibu. It says the Klayakar the same idea 400 years before Riv Zevin. The same exact words, same exact words. I'll call a Pasuk Zeb Ba'ashmas B'nei Yisrael Humadaber. It's the fault of Am Yisrael. Ki HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kasser Aleim Ki Ger Zer Zeracha. Hashem said in Brisbane of Sarim, you're going to be a Ger. You can't think that anywhere outside of Eretz Yisrael is your real home, says the Torah. Upapasak Ma'ashima Ma'yishiva Zu. That's what the uh, the Russian of Ayachazuba. And if you look at the the Chayakra at the beginning of next week's parsha, that's why Yo- Yaakov didn't. What does the beginning of next week's parsha say? He was going to tell him when Mashiach was going to come. And then ya- Hashem took away the Nevuah. Why? Because if they knew when Mashiach would come, two thousand years from now, they wouldn't hope for it. They wouldn't hope to get out. They would have an Achiza where they are. Says the Chayakra. That's why Yaakov Avinu wasn't allowed to say it over. But Afal Pikein, we lost the message. Afal Pikein, we have an Achiza wherever we are, and we're Misyayish from the Geula. Look what he says on line 19. This we've quoted in the past. Kasher Bavoneinu Midazu Mitsuya Beneinu. It's so common, says the Klayakar in the 1500s in Prague. Afilu Bizman Sheena Kate that we don't know when Mashiach coming. And still Mikamakom Rabim Hema Ameha Aretz. Hamisyashvim Baartsos Haamim. Let's sit in other lands. They built stone houses. And they don't say as much kavana as they should. Scary words. I'm sorry, we read that. That's Eretz Goshen. We have to realize that there is only one land. Those who live here have to realize that, and those who do not live here have to realize that there is no homeland except for Eretz Kena'an then and Eretz Israel today. And it doesn't matter how comfortable we might be in Agolis, whether it's Prague in the 1500s, whether it's Spain in the 1400s, or whether it's other lands today, we have to realize 
but Yaachu Zuba was a fool. It says, Rav Zabin says, the Klayakar, we should all be Zohar, that all of Klai Yisrael joining together in Eretz Yisrael, the Meher of Yamein.